We are welcomed again today for another Socha Hour podcast and I am delighted to be in the company of David Jubb, the Director of Greater London Residential at JLL. So welcome David. Hi Amy, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good thanks. We're sat in the dizzy heights of JLL offices which um, I get constant office envy for so I'll try not to look around too much and we'll try to stay dedicated to the chat. Um, so thank you very much for your time today and you have been one of the most constant supporters of this sector for as long as I can remember and probably that shows how old we both are getting which we won't get into too much and equally a really great supporter for Socha Hour so we're very grateful of that um, and we thank you very much. And we also know that part of that support has seen you grow your own shared ownership specialist team. Yes, it certainly has. Within JLL. Why have you done that? So I think it's, if I'm going back, um, it's an area I've looked at, I think, for on a commercial um, level for a number of uh, years. I think if I'm just giving Frank uh, mm. opinions on it, one of the previous challenges has been scale. Um, in terms of uh, shared ownership has always been a lesser, lower levels of delivery historically. We've seen that increase recently. One of the key themes, I think, from our side of the fence um, is probably twofold. One, uh, we're seeing, certainly on the London level, which is where we predominantly operate, um, delivery increase to such a sphere now where we are hearing some of our clients are looking to outsource more. And that's a service we're looking to support them with. And that marries perfectly with a lot of our existing service lines and what we offer. The fact that we have a very large new homes capability that we can adapt to service specific to shared ownership, which we have done. And also our affordable housing arm, where we always um, do a lot of work in a number of uh, spheres, such as treasury work, valuation work. Hopefully this fills a void where we can support our clients. So we're sat in these real swank offices, I'm telling you, proper office envy and good coffee. So we're sat in these really like commercially driven um, office areas that, you know, big fees, big commercial activity. How does, how has the new addition of a shared ownership team landed along the corridors and in the boardrooms of JLL? I think it's only 10 months old, so it is still in the grand scheme of um, JLL is still quite new. Um, I think it's an area where its perception is still growing. Mm-hmm. I think even on a, on a level when you know you're based here south in London, affordability is one of the biggest issues in um, buying your own home. It has been for a long time, and that's not going to go away. So I think there's a, there's a strong realization that this is a space that certainly fills a lot of people's general needs. Mm-hmm. Um, on a commercial sphere, um, I think it's one where certainly aspects of our business understand very very well, such as affordable housing, new home sales. It's become more and more predominant via lots of activity on the marketing side from associations that has increased its profile. Okay. Um, it's still got maturity to go. <laughs> um, I think it's one where um, you know, its perception is increasing. Um, and I think as you know, ownership continues to mature, that will mature with it as well. That's great. And I suppose part of that perception and that education we even within JLL um, comes from you and your team. Yes. So what does shared ownership mean personally to, to you and, and your drive in, in building your team and, and having a kind of impact in this area? For me, I, I have and will always be a massive fan of shared ownership. I don't say that for the sake of it. Um, on, the, on, a, on a development level, it is the most sustainable way, less cash intensive way, certainly from without central government funding, of delivering affordable home ownership. 
you know, that's something I think we should be doing more of. Um, and it has, if I'm being very frank, it has less dangers than such as, you know, 40% help to buy, which I think does have uh, pitfalls for purchasers. Um, I think it fills a need that a lot of people really, truly need. On a personal level, I care a great deal about that. I look at friends of mine who are in London and can't own their own home. Shared ownership is an option for them to do that. Mm -hmm. And in a way, you know, when they're coming, if you look at the sphere now of, you know, student debt coming mm -hmm. out, how else will we be able to do that? Yeah. Your only two options you can do at the moment is help to buy, which I think, you know, is has helped many in certain areas. I think I'm I'm quite open to be you know, a little bit of a critic of it. And so we're areas, coming on to help to buy in a minute. I'll move on very swiftly. <laughs> but um, but shared ownership is, is a very sustainable way of from, from association side developing and from a purchase level owning your own home. And I think that is increasingly important and is only going to get bigger in the future. So I think we can hear, and um, it means quite a lot to David, and that's great to hear that we've got that passion even within this real commercial side of delivering that service. So, that, so that's ace. So where do you think you and your team at JLL can make a difference in this market? Well, I think, I think all of our ilk on our side... The challenge is from our side is to support our clients. The main and the role of an agent is to add value. Whatever sphere that is, if that sales capability, that, if that's providing something new, if it's geography, wherever that is, what we should always be fundamentally trying to do is put things back. You know, it's our job to be as best as we can be, otherwise people don't use us. Mm -hmm. So with that, and, and not just JLL, I'll broaden this out, you know, the responsibility is to say what we see and help people learn from it as well. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, whether that's research or whatever sphere, that's where I think we should be adding value and helping, you know, the debate of what we are doing, helping promote the tenure and helping the strive to, you know, increase its its popularity and to be mainstream and the most of well, the, the most mainstream intermediate tenure that we have. Yeah, and I think the sector is um, finally waking up to the fact that we actually do need to work together. A bit quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have been sods at it, haven't we? And I think, you know, the, the NHF national campaign is is a testament to the, some of the sector yeah. saying, look, we're going to work together. And like you said there, you know, as agents, we need to work as, as one in effect, not commercially as one, but actually a, a putting something back in the exactly. greater good. So we, we, we carry a commercial hat. We're competitive, of course we are. <laughs> but, you know, I think you should have this aspiration here. I really do. Yeah, perfect. So I'm, I'm going to touch upon some stats that, uh, that you've, um, you've delivered around your JLL predictions for house price growth. Now, these are ones that I'm sure listeners will be sat intensively to to put in their next board reports while their um, chief execs and FD are worrying that the housing market's going to crash <laughs> and that everything's going to go into complete turmoil. So um, you guys say that this year you're looking at a 1% growth, next year 25 and as much as 4% in 2022. How realistic do you reckon that is? Well, I think if, if, you, if I go back in time in terms of where we what we've seen to date, to uh -huh. give you a bit of rationale on where those have come from, I think we've seen a weaker sales market, uh, but we have, uh, well, certainly over the last year, we've seen a lot of political, uh, political turmoil. That's been ongoing for quite a while. On a London and southeast level, we have in part seen price reductions. It's notably on, on Prime London, which does skew London a great deal, where that's been coming off quite considerably. Outside of that, if you look to areas like Wales, which has shown strong growth, 
um, areas of the northeast, um, which have shown very um, strong growth in the region, around about 6% or so, that's on the basis that they're more affordable. Yes, I think there are some anomalies here that are kind of skewing that. Help to buy is one that is very apparent. You know, I think that's, if you take away help to buy now, in my opinion, would there be a market correction? I think it's highly likely, yes, there would be. Okay. Uh, I think that's under that's underpinned uh, parts of development. In many ways, that's a great thing because that leads on to private housing, leading on to affordable being delivered alongside it. But the more affordable areas of the country have shown more resilient and more sustained growth those that are a bit more price full, such mm-hmm. as the southeast, have been a bit more under strain. Looking ahead, um, I won't lie, this is quite <laughs> difficult to have a crystal ball um, at the moment with what um, you're looking at, you know, with the Brexit picture, mm-hmm. we've just literally as of um, as a Friday exited the European Union. How that transpires, I think we'll have to see. There may be political turmoil, but the fundamentals of the housing market on, on the sales side remain very strong. In areas we have an undersupply, London, mm-hmm. um, notably in London, uh, where we simply are not building enough. Um, I would further out say enough in the right areas. Mm-hmm. We have still incredibly cheap mortgage rates, yeah. um, allowing fluidity in the market. And one of the main constraints, probably the main constraint in my opinion, is affordability, where shadow ownership plays a massive picture in filling. Help to buy is probably filling that broader yeah. at the moment. But that's you know why we see relatively subdued growth in the short term. But as always, as things start to maybe start to um, transpire, more fluid growth later than um, certainly the post next two years or so. So you heard it at first, the market isn't crashing and we're all going to be okay. Well, <laughs> um, I think we've got some rocky roads ahead. Um, I think it's one where we, you know, I think the fundamentals are very sound. Um, you know, the, the elephant in the room, I'm sure everyone listening to this will be very aware. Brexit may have implications. Yeah. I'm not trying to be negative on that. I'm a salesman. I'm an eternal optimist. <laughs> but at the same stage, you know, I think, you know, we have to tr- see what that transpires. I'll be very frank that, you know, looking at a crystal ball with that in the backdrop is not easy. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think that some of the fundamentals of delivery on, on you know, we're seeing increasing activity going from associations, local authorities emerging. Um, so we're seeing more development coming through. But, mm-hmm. you know, the fundamentals still are relatively sound on the housing market. Okay, so as we are sat in pretty much central London and everyone looks to the London market and we talk about this ripple effect coming out of the capital, is that still a thing and should the rest of the country outside the M25 still be looking um, at the capital for an indicator of what's going to happen? I think it's the other way around at the moment. I think in the first time in my career... Um, I've seen normally, if you go back to say 2008, for example, where we it was, you know, the financial markets were in complete distress, and that had a major impact on the housing market. Um, it was London coming down, and then uh, yes, there was mm-hmm. a definite ripple effect outside. That you know, it was that the, the broad regions then followed that, mm-hmm. so to speak. This is the other way around. London is maybe um, showing signs of strain, not everywhere, but certainly more the high value parts of it are, and some parts of southeast as well. Mm-hmm. Whilst you know, you're seeing growth in Wales, growth in the northeast, growth in the north. Mm-hmm. So I think you're seeing a more resilient UK and a weaker southeastern London. So I think it's the other way around. So to answer your question directly, no is the answer. First time no. ever. That is the first, first time, time ever. ever. I'll go back to the help to buy anomaly <laughs> uh, because we haven't seen, I mean, the, the, the big thing here is we haven't seen anything of this scale of government funding by help to buy. Yeah. And that does skew things. And, you know, if you look at the grand scheme of affordability, you know, that has had a major, major impact on it. 
Um, you know, without that, would we have seen those level of growth? That's highly debatable. I think okay. we would have, but probably not to that scale. Okay, so we will talk about help to buy now because you keep referring to it. So I think we want to talk about <laughs> it. So we we hear a lot of rhetoric, and, and we hope I think from the sector that you know we're waiting for this day where help to buy finishes and, and shared ownership fills this void. I suppose I've got a, a kind of twofold question for you. A do you think that that's going to happen to the scale that we all kind of sit and think about? And B, do you even think government are going to give it a chance to fill that void? Uh, I'll answer in twofold. The first one being the shorter, I hope, yes. <laughs> Uh, in reality, I think it needs a lot of change. Um, shared ownership only represents 1% of our current housing stock. Obviously, one of the fundamentals is people staircase out, so we do lose shared ownership. Yeah. What we're seeing of late is we are seeing an increase in the supply of shared ownership. Um, and that's, you know, if you look at, we're set, heading towards record levels. You've also got new entrants coming in, uh, which I'm very pro, I'll be very frank. Mm -hmm. The likes of Sage, the likes of um, Legal and General, yeah. you have for profits coming through in other forms. Um, so you are seeing heightened activity in shared ownership delivery. Um, now, my view on that is as long as the regulation is there, anything that increases affordable housing supply, I'm pro. Okay. Um, however, um, is that enough on the scale of what we need to replace help to buy? No. In my opinion, mm -hmm. we've got to do more. Um, it needs more funding um, on shared ownership. It needs a broader promotion. Um, it needs uh, help to buy to not overshadow it as well and the tenure to become mainstream if it's going to fill that void. And do you think, I'm going to push you a little bit further, um, decline to answer if you want. Do you think that um, the government see shared ownership as this tenure that can after 40 years come into its own and be part of this big funding mechanism or do you think that we'll just get which we have kind of been banded around first home which is start home mark two do you think that actually again start home and um, shared ownership is going to be put on the bench waiting for someone else to pick it up and then this new fancy thing's going to come in I, and take all of that funding i think there's a risk that could happen <laughs> um i think there's um i think the conservative government tradition is always pro home, pro home ownership so it will always be on an agenda how hard it's pushed is obviously very difficult to say um, my worry is I think personally I think we've wasted a lot of time with the likes of starter homes which haven't gone anywhere if you put the effort into pushing shared ownership we could be further along but um, I think it's important to look ahead not back rather than looking at you know, um, opinions such as that um, where you know, I think it's time for it to be on the agenda. We have seen probably, you know, certainly last year, some indications from um, from Downing Street that there is on the agenda. To what sphere that take, that will, um, you know, be, well, we'll have to see. I think in reality, in my opinion, whilst Help to Buy is ongoing um, and it's committed now to 2023, um, it's going to be difficult for it to reach the scale it needs during that time whilst that is in mm -hmm. place. Um, I think the proof in the pudding is as and when that starts to come to an end and what they do thereafter. Um, I hope it does. In reality, I think it, what we're seeing is natural increase in supply. We need more central government support to continue that supply, which for me is the biggest issue. Perfect. Okay, I won't push you anymore on that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so on that, um, 
moving into that arena actually where probably we need to be on that beauty parade even more around what, why it's so great what we're doing all of the positive aspects notwithstanding the elements that actually need work you know we, we can't be naive to say that the product's perfect and that we actually do um, need to make some changes and additions to that to make it much more palatable for those um, living with, in shared ownership for a longer period of time so with those kind of things in mind what do you think that we as a sector do well for shared ownership and what do you think we could do a lot better i think the 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 amount of promotion that goes on and people flying the flag is immensely commendable um and you know i I think it's it's fantastic to see if i'm being if i'm just kind of i'd like to personally say how i see i think some of the same debates do happen too frequently uh where we you know we we focus on the same issue and we debate it but and I think the challenge is, is what comes from that. Yeah. The fact that, you know, we, we talk about things and it's lots of very constructive decision, but we've got to get to a stage where that is influencing decision. With their support in lots of areas, the NAP Fed, yeah. the CAH, you've got increased heightened activity uh, from commercial companies such as JLL, yeah. others around, uh, which is for the sector to capitalise on yeah. that message. Um, you know, we wouldn't be in this space, as an example, I'm not saying we're anything untoward, um, if we didn't believe in it, mm-hmm. um, if my bosses, my yeah. our board didn't believe in it, as an example. And I'm sure other uh, commercial companies can say the same on this. So it's about trying to take that and furthering it. And, you know, I think, I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot of amazing intention here, but, you know, not moving around in circles and trying to push ahead to make it mainstream. We like the same conversation, don't we? It's about time we need some action, don't we? Yeah, exactly. We need some action. And some, and some strong voice, yeah. I think. You know, whatever that is, you know, whether it's, you know, using leverage. Yeah. If it's, you know, if it's our side of the fence, if it's the, if it's the NAPFED, the CIH, you know, there's people very interested in this. If, if it's, uh, um, you know, the increased activity of um, for-profits. Mm-hmm. Now, like, that's a very separate debate than this one but you know you are seeing increased activity that gives a platform for a voice to be heard that there's a reason for uh, for doing this so we've just got to be a bit braver yeah i think i think it's it's i think it's we have have a, a worry of stagnating yeah. And I think if we don't, you know, seize the time and the difficulty is, is the overshadow of help to buy. Yeah. And that's there. But, you know, that will end. You know, mm-hmm. the government has confirmed in 2023 that will go now in the coming forward. Or the next year or two is the time to really put this on the agenda mm-hmm. to make it mainstream. Perfect. So we kind of ask most people this question that engage with us um, and have commented and, and helped us raise the profile of social hour so we are now this is our third year so mixing up a bit with podcasts and more content what would you see um what would you like to see the kind of social hour community tackle or give back or or really make some headway into with its third year in being I think the aspiration for me, I think uh, Shadowship Chat Hour is a, is a fantastic thing that encourages a little debate. Um, I think the aspiration has to be how to push into policy. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be to get into a sphere where this debate on issues that you're all seeing um, is relevant and it's going to inspire change. 
Now, it's an easy thing for me to say that. I know it's not easy. Um, you know, it's one, but there has to be some form of outcome. I think it has to be evidence-based, whether there's, you know, more of a kind of, no, it's not a voting system, yeah, but a yeah. no way of seeing, you know, what's the route ahead, you know, yeah. engaging and trying to, you know, enforce it with, you know, activity for like the Fed campaign uh-huh. of saying why we want this change and trying to get that listened to. I think that's a key thing for me. I think that should be, you know, um, you know the key point of doing it, yeah. of trying to encourage a difference in what we're currently doing. Great. That kind of brings our chat to an end. So you've been great and actually very open. So thank you very much. And um, I'm off to get one of those fancy coffees now. (laughs) So thank you very much, David. Thank you very much. Take care.